Well, if you have your Bible today, I want you to go to Joshua chapter 3, and we're actually going to read uh, a, a lot of Scripture today. You know, and the interesting thing about uh, when, I, when I was kind of looking at the calendar and I was saying, Lord, it's very interesting that Memorial Day and Pentecost fall on the same weekend. You know, that, that uh, and, and uh, suddenly as the, the Lord highlighted something to me and showed me that these two ideas are actually in Scripture together. Memorial Day is a day where we look back. Pentecost is the ultimate day of looking forward. Uh, Memorial Day is a day of remembrance. Pentecost is a day of initiation. It's the launching of the church. And I want to tell you, I never saw it as clearly as I did just a couple of weeks ago, that these two ideas were actually in Scripture together. You know, uh, this weekend, uh, there will be uh, visitors to Arlington National Cemetery. Little little history for you. Uh, the foster son of George Washington actually uh, 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 actually took ownership of what is now the Arlington National Cemetery and he wanted to venerate his dad. The one who had taken care of him as a foster dad, George Washington. It was originally just supposed to venerate George Washington, but then uh, a later descendant, his his, his uh, granddaughter would actually uh, uh, marry Robert E. Lee, which is crazy in, in history. And, uh, you know, with all the loss of life, there was a great need. And they saw, we need to remember those who gave their lives in a meaningful way. It's a very interesting story. It was originally just supposed to be a manner that would honor uh, George Washington. But this week, what will happen? People will mark those graves. They'll walk by the stones and read names with dates. And for a moment, they'll look at the stones. By the way, every color, every tribe, every religion, all in the same place. A picture of America and what it should be. Here we are, and there will be there are these people who will pass by these stones and remember. In hopes that while reflecting, they'll receive an initiation. I want to actually speak to you a message called Memorial Stones. Moving forward, looking back. I saw this in the scripture, it illuminated in my heart, and I want to share something which is so critical for us as a church because we are standing in a moment where God is saying expand. We're stepping into some new things. We're, 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 we're stepping into seeing the kingdom of God function and flow in us and through us personally in ways that we've only dreamed about. Let me tell you what that means. Here's what that means. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are going to be born again in our services 
right here at Calvary. Unlike any time in the history of this church, we're going to see more people come to Christ. Uh, let, me, let me just keep going. We're going to see more people healed in their body. The supernatural power of God coming in and breaking up the foundations of, of sickness and disease. We are going to see it in the days ahead. We're going to see people mightily delivered. Mightily delivered of torment. Mightily set free by the power of God. Listen to me, church. We're stepping into a new day. We are stepping into it. It's God's assignment on this house. Now, listen. For you, that may be, well, uh, man, praise God for the pastors. No, 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 no. That's all of us. We are the church. We're the ones that God is expanding. But in order for us to, to really step into the new, we've got something that, that we need to really understand today, especially on Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is the day of initiation. Pentecost is where, where Peter goes from the guy who is kind of you know, backing up a little bit from Christ, and then he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he's the one that stands up and speaks. The last time Peter's really speaking publicly, he's denying Christ. The next time, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's standing up in boldness, declaring Christ. There was a monumental change that took place. And I want to tell you today, that story unfolds in Joshua 3 and 4. The Old Testament is filled with examples of, of, of these stories that point toward a New Testament truth. And as we endeavor to step into new things with God, we know we need the Spirit of God to do that. Now, what I'm about to say to you may come as a shock, maybe to some older saints and, and newer people are like, oh, wow, that's just, that's just a neat fact. Well, growing up in, in our little missionary Baptist church, we used to always sing hymns about heaven. There's, all, there's lots of them. Blessed Assurance. You know, we, we, we sing. You know, I, I mean, if I started singing I'll Fly Away, we'd all break into song, okay? Okay? Right? Uh, we, but there were these analogies in many of the hymns that connected heaven and the promised land. And maybe, maybe you remember, this is what I remember as a child, singing these songs about the promised land as if heaven was the promised land. Now, I, I believe we're crossing over one day. I believe that. So don't, don't, I don't want to mess you up too badly here this morning, but I just want to tell you right now, heaven, the analogy of heaven, is not the promised land in Scripture. It is not. How do I, you say, how, why, why are you saying this, Pastor Otis? Why? Because heaven doesn't have giants. The promised land and the people of God crossing into the promised land, which is the purposes of God, realized, here's what it is. The promised land is a symbol in the Old Testament of what it is to live a life full of and controlled by the Spirit of God. It represents Spirit-filled living. As close to God as you can get on this side of heaven. Now, it's fully realized on the day of Pentecost. But I'm going to walk you through this story. It's going to help us because 
Honestly, how will we ever live the things, let me say it this way, the dreams of God for us if we don't have his spirit leading us, guiding us, and empowering us? You can't. You can't live the kingdom by willpower. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to show you some things today that's going to help you say, okay, how do I step into this? Now, it's, we got to go from ideas about the kingdom to legitimately walking this out and manifesting it. So, we've got a lot of scripture to read. So, uh, look at your neighbor and tell them you're about to get all your Bible reading in right now. Joshua 3, we're going to begin in verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows its bank during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came from upstream stood still, rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. So they're crossing over. They're coming out of the wilderness into the promise. Now, Joshua 4 begins this way. It says, And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take uh, for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. And you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men with, uh, whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man for every tribe. And Joshua said, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up the stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in a time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of tribes of the children of Israel and carried them with them to the place where they lodged and laid them there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood and they, and they are there to this day. Now skip down to verse 21. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in a time to come, saying, What are these stones? 
Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples, listen to this carefully, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, this is a wonderful picture, and this is the time where Israel is stepping in to the promise which God had made to them. He says, I have a land for you. They resisted it. Remember the story. The ten spies came back with a negative report. And nearly stoned Joshua and Caleb for having a good report. And God said, fine, you'll go and wander for 40 years. Basically, everyone who resisted God died in the desert. Now Joshua is leading the people. And what is he doing? He is leading them in to this land of promise, which, which remember, is symbolic of a spirit-led, spirit-filled life. So, it's amazing that when you really begin to break these stories down, you see the symbolism within them. Matter of fact, there are these kinds of examples in the Old Testament they're everywhere telling the story of the gospel, telling us stories of the kingdom, sharing with us how it is that we can legitimately leave a wilderness time and walk in the purposes of God. Now, I want you today to understand that the title is Moving Forward, Looking Back. Moving forward, looking back. Now, some of you on this Memorial Day weekend, you may go out on a boat this weekend. If you do, keep your head forward at all times. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat much or you've ever looked back while you're driving. Whichever way you turn your head, the boat goes that direction. And you thought you were going straight the whole time, but it turns out where you were looking is where you were leaning. Where you were looking is where you were leaning. Now, in the kingdom, it's really important that we keep our focus right. By the way, I'm, I'm just going to let you know, uh, we can't have like normal church like on Memorial Day. I don't even know what that is. I don't feel like we need messages in this time that are just going to pat us on the back. I need a message that's going to propel me into God's future for my life. That's going to help me stay focused. That's going to help me keep, keep my eyes fixed on Him. Setting my face like flint toward the purposes of God. And here's why I say that. Normal church is destroying this nation. Oh, but God in this hour is pouring out His Spirit on a people who realize, Jesus, we need you to be our everything. Not just our Sunday, but our every day. We need you moving in us and through us. We need to partner with the kingdom of God. We're not just going to build our own kingdom. We're going to build the kingdom of God. But in order to do that, 
We've got to learn what God is teaching us about the gospel, what it is and how we can genuinely live for his purposes. First of all, if we're going to enter really into this spirit-filled life, we're going to have to never forget the work of the cross. Never forget the work of the cross. Here's what I mean. Um, I don't know if this is your first time here. Maybe you were a little surprised by the exuberance in our worship, the passion in our worship. Uh, Don't be surprised. We're just really thankful that God has done a work in our life. And also, we believe that the Spirit of God is still empowering men and women, still falling on redeemed flesh, still still, uh, awakening us and still empowering us for ministry today. Let me just say it to you another way. Aren't you glad God never changes? That one day, you know, he's not happy and the next day he's grumpy. Because if God wakes up grumpy, we're all gone. By the way, he said as much in Malachi chapter 4. I am the Lord and I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O Jacob. He's like, if I woke up grumpy, that's it. No, God doesn't change. And boy, I tell you what, the world has been robbed. The church has been robbed by a theology that said God changed. That he became a powerless God. I got to tell you, he's not a powerless God. And if you will remember, as we are stepping into this life of the Spirit, if you're, if, if, if you're ground zero for a Spirit-filled life is the work of the cross, you will live it the way that God has meant you to live it. We are unapologetically Pentecostal. No, we're not just praying for miracles. We see miracles. Glory to God. All right, I'm going to wake these Presbyterians up over here. Listen, we're not just praying for miracles. We see miracles. We see people born again and lives changed. That has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him and standing on this word. By the way, we're not pursuing miracles. You want to know what Calvary Church is built on? It's built on the Word of God and loving Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is it. It's the Word of God and, and, and loving Jesus. And as a result, loving our neighbor. I know you, some of y'all may have heard. Man, you go to that Calvary place? Man, they're probably like, they, they just, man, they just are all willy-nilly. No, no, we're actually not. And the reason we're not is because we at Calvary will never forget the work of the cross. On Pentecost Sunday, believing for an outpouring, I pray fire hits every one of you. But I promise you, listen, I promise you, it will be because of the work of the cross. Come on, we need to see. You say, where's that in Joshua 3? You just read it? It says, so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant, by the way, which is symbolic of the presence of God. That's the manifest presence of God is the Ark of the Covenant. And as the people who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, just going to explain the symbols here, the Jordan River, 
which is that flood stage, is symbolic of sin. It's symbolic of sin. And when the presence of God steps in to sin at flood stage, something beautiful happens. Look at this. It says, The feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its bank during the whole time of harvest. That's a whole nother sermon. Don't be upset at all the sin in the world. You ought to get happy. Why? Because it's harvest time. When sin is at flood stage, get ready. There's coming a harvest into the kingdom of God. Well, anyways, that's a different sermon. All right. Verse 16. When they dipped in the edge of the water, the waters which came down upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit just let that ruminate in you. You see, when, when Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us, the manifest presence of God, came into a sin-sick world, walked all throughout Israel, walked all throughout that region, then came and was crucified and died on the cross, paying the penalty for sin. Guess what happened? He pushed sin and its effect all the way back to Adam. That's what you just read. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's hard for me to understand because I, you know, I just basically say, God, I'm sorry for my sin in this right now time. Listen, the work of the cross is, it has a greater effect than just your right now. The work of the cross reached into the past. The work of the cross was working in the day when Jesus was standing in Israel. And let me let you know, the cross was 2,000 years ago, and the cross and the blood still works, still changes lives. It's still changing lives. And that's why I'm saying to you, if you ever want to properly navigate a spirit-filled life, you need to go back and understand that the work of the blood of Jesus in your life is thorough and complete. He pushed your sin back to Adam. I don't know. I don't know if you know that yet. I don't know if you know that. You heard me say it, but there are people in this room, you just don't believe it. Not my sin, Pastor. No, no, no. You need to look at the work of the cross and you need to believe what he said. Listen to what Romans chapter 5 says about this. Listen, read the whole chapter of Romans chapter 5. I don't have time to do that with you here today, except to say there is a comparison between Adam and Jesus. And notice. This comparison, it says, for us by one man's offense, this is Adam, death reigned through the one. Much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, one man, this is Jesus' righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Here's the basically uh, your, uh, the, the way that I would summarize this. Adam's work of falling from God 
condemned all men to die. I've always, you know, for many years in youth ministry, I had to answer the question, why is it that I'm responsible for something Adam did? Why am I in sin because of Adam? I'm like, listen, it's the, it's the most brilliant thing ever. Here's why. Because if all stand condemned because of one man's fall, then all can be redeemed by one man living in the righteousness of God, the God-man, the only Son of God. You see, it needed to be imparted to all through one fall so they could all be redeemed by one righteous act through the only Son of God. It was so glorious. That is why, by the way, just so you know this, that is why Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. You know that, right? Because had they fallen and eaten of the tree of life, they would have eternally been in a fallen state. And God said, no, 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 no. Get them away from that. I'll provide for them eternal life. I'll pay the price. And here's what you and I need to remember. That when Jesus was on the cross in John chapter 19, he, he uttered some powerful words. When sour wine had, had been pressed up against his lips, he said this, It is finished! And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now, at first glance, the common reader of the Bible would say, it, it was kind of like Jesus saying, Finally the suffering is over. Wrong! That is not what this means. This word in, in the Greek is tetelestai. It is an accounting term which means paid in full. What he shouted out that day was the payment necessary to push sin all the way back to Adam to pay the price so man and men and women who freely believe in the Messiah could be redeemed, washed and cleansed. They can come into the kingdom now. He said, it is paid in full. I wish the church believed it would, they were paid for in full. You know why? Because if you'd start believing you were paid in full, you would walk through on dry ground and enter in to the life that God has for you. You'd stop saying to yourself, I'm not worthy. I don't have it together. I'm broken in so many ways. You, If we would dare to ever look back at the cross and say, oh, that work of the cross was enough. Oh! Oh, that work of redemption was enough. That blood was enough. And I think sometimes we forget salvation's a gift. Salvation's a gift. Children of Israel didn't bring themselves out of Egypt, did they? Egypt is about slavery to sin. Who brought them out? It was God himself. God brought them out of Egypt. Who was it that brought the, the children of Israel out of the wilderness when they could not cross over into the promise? It was God himself. And I want you to hear me today. I believe 
And as you will hear in just a moment, that we do have a role to play. But make no mistake, our role in receiving the gift is simply receiving the gift by faith in the finished work of the cross. And when you would dare to begin to believe that you are free from even hundreds of years of wandering. Oh, that day. Three million Jews crossing over on dry land. You know what they realized? I'm free from 40 years of wandering. I'm free from living outside of God's purposes. Why? Because of what He has done for us. Not what we have done for ourselves. Not a one thought they were worthy. They weren't walking in all the covenants yet. But they walked across that day with a special revelation. I, I can never forget it was God who saved me. Now, if we're going to enter in and we're going to cross over and we're going to enter into this spirit-led, spirit-filled life that God has for us, here's what you've got to do. You've got to pick up your new life. Do, is there personal responsibility? You better, better believe there is. Remember in this story, it's, it's wonderful. It says, Joshua 4, Command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm, and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place, where you lodge tonight. I told you the gospel is everywhere throughout the scriptures. Now, I just want to just take you on a, like a little bit of a mental exercise. There in the middle of the Jordan is the manifested presence of God on the ark. Everybody passes by. But there were 12 selected to get really close to the manifested presence of God. And they were to take up stones from the feet of the presence of God. Does this sound at all familiar to a story you've heard? That there were 12 selected to come close to Emmanuel, God with us, the manifest, the manifestation of God on the earth is Jesus. And he said, 12 of you come close and what? Pick up a stone and carry it on your shoulder. Let me read to you Mark chapter 8 and see, see, see if the dots begin to connect, connect for you as we step into this spirit-led, spirit-led, uh, spirit-filled kingdom life. Jesus said, when he called the people to himself with his disciples, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He is saying, listen, pick up a stone. By the way, the stones they picked up that day, they were only exposed because of the grace of God. 
When they picked up those stones, it represented people. And they're carrying this stone out of the river. It's a picture of the New Testament where Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Make no mistake, salvation is free. But following God requires your yes. It requires you to submit your will to God's design for your life. If we're going to live this kingdom life, if we're genuinely going to step into all that God has for us, here's what we're going to have to do. Get as close as possible to God as we can and take up our cross and begin to follow him and carry it wherever he says to carry it. Let me give you some other descriptions of this same truth. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you may put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He's saying, listen, for us who have received the free gift of salvation, you have to put on the new man. You can't say, well, God, me and you got a deal. I've negotiated what my life will look like as a Christian. Me and the big man upstairs got a deal. Oh, Lord. Please, please, please. Do you know our God is an all-consuming fire? And the last thing you need is, is something as flammable as compromise on your life going near to him. Compromise is flammable. Sin is flammable in his presence. That's the last thing you need to go in thinking, no, you know what you need to go in with? You need a stone. You need a stone. God, I am going to put on the new man. I'm going to put on this new man. I'm going to say, you know what? I am going to pick up the person that you empower me to be by the Spirit of God. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to put it on. You know what that means? Sometimes you need to look back at your yesterday and say the cross was powerful, but yesterday my flesh was weak and my mouth ran off. My mind was thinking thoughts it shouldn't think. My mouth said things I know I shouldn't have said. I behaved in a way that didn't honor you, but guess what I'm doing this morning? By the grace of God, I'm putting on the new man. I'm not going to partner with that anymore. I'm not going to be that man anymore. I'm not going to be that woman anymore. I'm going to be the new one that the grace of God supplied, I'm going to pick up the stone and I'm going to start following God. Now, I love this. I love what happens next. You got 12 guys carrying the stones out of the river. But sometimes we just read the Bible too fast and we miss what happens next. It says in Joshua 4, 9, then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And there they are to this day. Oh, I'm going to help you. There is a cross you're meant to carry, a stone you're meant to carry. By the way, it, it represents a person, a new person. For them, it represented all 12 tribes. But then Joshua gets 12 stones. 
We don't know where he got them from. I suspect they were from the wilderness. It's just a thought. We don't know for sure. And Joshua takes 12 stones on his own and at the feet of the priest lays the 12 stones. Joshua, by the way, just in case you were needed to know this, is the Hebrew name of Jesus. So what Joshua is doing here is pointing us to what Jesus does after we're born again. When we submit our lives and we pick up the new man, you know what he does? He takes the old man and puts it in the river. And when you cross over into the life that God has for you, you know what happens? The river comes and buries the old man. Hello, this is a picture of baptism. This is a picture of baptism where our old man dies a death in the gracious waters of God. Oh, it's so beautiful. It says, and there they remain. You know what I feel like sometimes? I feel like sometimes people in the church, they give their lives to Christ, and then they're always at the riverbanks going... I can't hang out with those guys anymore. And I'm not doing those things anymore. <laughs> That's a problem. You know, you are venerating the wrong stone. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old, it is sitting at that place of encounter at the bottom of the Jordan. You can't see that stone. It is lost. It is washed. It is gone. It is buried. No, when he is a new creation, all things have become new. No, no, no. You're not just carrying a new stone. You became a new stone. You became a new stone. Stop whimpering over what you used to do. I've heard some people tell their testimonies. It's so terrible the way they tell their testimonies. They're like excited about the life of sin that they used to. Oh, yeah, I used to party. I used to go to the club. And I was like, yeah. And then I got saved. Now I live for Jesus. You know what you're doing. Mourning a stone that doesn't exist anymore. By the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but whether it's a stone or a cross, Galatians 5, 24 and 25, do you know this? Those who are Christ have what? Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm sorry if nobody had talked to you this way. 
you know, recently. We, this, this, this call in Christianity is a call to die. We're going to die to the, to who we used to be. All those hurts, all those, all that, all, all that trauma, all that stuff that assailed you. And you, you know, that's what we do, right? Oh, you don't know what I went through. So that's why I walk this way. The problem is, is that we haven't crucified it all. Oh, by the way, there's some other stuff that needs to die too. The revival you went through in the 80s and 90s, we're not going back. I appreciate your history in God, but you're not going back in history. You know where you're going? You're going forward. You got a new stone. God wants to do a new thing. And everybody thinks, oh man, we just got to recapture the past. No, no, no. We got to lay hold of today. We got to lay hold of today in a way that says, you know what, God? I'm coming up out of this riverbed in a new life. I'm carrying my cross and whatever you say to me, that's what I'm going to walk in. Whatever way that you've called me to live, that's what I'm going to do. And make, make, you know, make no mistake that Galatians 5.25 goes on and says, if we live in the Spirit, then let us walk in the Spirit, which is a picture of this whole scene here. He says, it, since you're born again, you need to choose to walk with God. Carry your cross. You know what this means? Young people, hear me out. You are not doomed to live by what you feel. Why? Because we crucified that. That is crucified. Where is it? At the bottom of the river of God's grace. We don't live by what we feel. We live by what is revealed. Let me finish up today. Pentecost in history is about and really connected to the sharing of your faith, becoming a bold witness for Christ. So this last, this last thing I want to tell you about, about stepping into God's divine purposes of expanding, partnering with the kingdom is this. You got to talk about what God has done. Can you, do you just notice it says, Verse 21, it says, when your children ask their fathers in a time to come, saying, what are these stones? Can I just give some encouragement to some parents here? If you've truly been born again, and if you've truly said, God, I'm going to make you preeminent in our home. I'm going to make you preeminent in our life. There's going to be some things around the house that your kids see. Man, after spending 16 and a half years in, in youth ministry, many times I had parents come to me basically asking me to fix their child. And then I let them know, I'm amazing, but not that amazing. <laughs> I can't fix your children. That's the work of God. I can position them. But, so, I'm going to demonstrate to them a Jesus that's worth changing your, changing your life over. How are you going to change? What are you going to do to change? Oh, well, pastor, come on. 
We're just parents. Yeah, they live with you. Can I give you some, some just, 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 just some encouragement today? If you want your children to one day come and ask, God, why are the, uh, mom, dad, why, what are these stones in our life? What are these pillars in our life? Why are there the, these moments of what seems like non-negotiables? What is this in our life? Then you have to live your life in a way that shows them Jesus is worth bending your life over. He's worth the sacrifice. He's worth the time. He is worth bending your knee. He is worth not fitting into culture. He is worth it. And when you demonstrate to them, I've got some good, I've got some good news, parents. They may not be interested in, in God right now at all. But I, what I read here is a promise. It says, when your children ask. I've got, I got a word for some parents today. They may not be asking today. Oh, but I see some people that God has put his hand on, that he has saved, and that who said, I'm going to take up my cross and follow him. I'm going to take a stone of remembrance from my encounter with God. And where do I take it? The place where I'm lodging. Home. I take it home. And I put the rock right in my home. And they may not be asking now, but there is coming a time, according to the word of God, where they will say, what is this stone? What is this? What is this stone? Well, let me tell you about this stone. This stone is a reminder and a sign to more than you know. You see, you've got to be willing to talk about the miraculous work of God. We talk about a lot of things, but we got to talk about the miraculous work. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. If you believe here today that he dried up the Jordan of sin so you could walk through in the free gift of salvation, if you believe that he will empower you to walk your stone out and, and then take the old stone of who you used to be and bury it in his grace, if you believe that he has a purpose for you on the other side, a life that is connected to his heart and his life, here, here's what I'm going to say to you, you will speak these words. I believe, so I tell the story. The Spirit of God empowers us to tell the story. Notice verse 24, Joshua 4. It goes from just a generation of Jewish people to all people. It says that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty that they may fear the Lord your God forever. Your story, these stones, lives transformed, set the stage, listen, for the hand of the Lord. In the Old Testament, it's symbolic of the Spirit of God coming upon man. That's what the hand of the Lord means. He says, so that all people may know the hand of the Lord. That's why I was telling you from the very beginning that entering in to the promised land is all about the hand of God on a people saved by His grace, who carry the cross by His grace, who are then led by His Spirit by His grace, who tell the story. Church, 
your story sets the stage for people to know the hand of the Lord. And we must have the Spirit of God fill us again to lay hold of God's vision for our life.